The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. That's a blessing. Amen. Take your Bible, please, and go back to Jonah chapter 2. Let's speak tonight on running to God. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, now watch this, I cried by reason of my affliction. Well, I would say so. He's in the belly of the fish. Unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. Now, I want you to think about Jonah a little bit. I want to give you a little about him as an individual. Jonah's name means dove. Of course, he was an Amittite, and uh, that is a Hebrew word. It means this. It means telling the truth. Now, I think that's appropriate for a prophet to tell the truth. Uh, I think he ought to be able to tell it straight. I think he ought to be able to tell it pure, just like a dove. You'll see in this book, however, about Jonah, uh, that uh, it's not necessarily a book about prophecy, but about the prophet. And as you see the book about Jonah the prophet, you're going to see that uh, he was somebody that mm, you just really cannot understand until you dive into studying Jonah. Why is it that God called him to be able to go down and to preach about the wickedness of a great city, and he did not want to do it? What were some of the reasons? Well, uh, when you study uh, Jonah, you'll see that he's never, uh, never one time, according to what we have studied, traveled to a foreign land. Uh, there might have been some fear there. Uh, you see that he's very prejudiced. He did not care for the Assyrians at all. And, of course, this is the city, uh, if you will, that is the central city, the chief city, if you would please, of the Assyrians. And he did not care for them. He despised them. He hated them. And so here Jonah is uh, now being called of God to go down to the place called Nineveh the capital city, if you will, please, to preach against the wickedness of the city. Well, he does decide to take a trip. The trip is going to be in the opposite direction. He decides that he's going to go down and he's going to pay the fare and go over to Tarshish. Uh, by the way, the city of Nineveh was a great city. Uh, they said, uh, those that uh, studied the city in those days, that it was uh, uh, at least 48 miles uh, in length, had 1,500 towers. According to Jonah chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says here, and should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein more than six score thousands persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. And so we believe that there was at least 120,000 children that did not have good discernment to be able to understand uh, the difference in their right and their left hand. Hand. So this was a large populated city. Somebody says that there was at least 600,000 people that lived inside of the city. You'll see in Jonah chapter 1 in verse 3, the Bible says, But Jonah rose up, it says, to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. We covered this last week. And went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish and paid the fare thereof and went down into it. 
fit uh, to go on to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Anytime somebody decides that they're going to flee from the presence of the Lord, it's always going to be a downward spiral direction. Uh, anytime somebody runs from God, I can promise you two things will happen. Number one, you miss out on God's blessings. Number two, you get in on God's blistering. And this is what's happening in Jonah's life. It's a very short book. Uh, we have studied it, and as we've studied it, we see in chapter one, he's running from God. Chapter two, you'll see he's running to God. Chapter 3, he's running with God. And chapter 4, he's running ahead of God. In Jonah chapter 1 and verse 9, you see this. Uh, he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. Now, by the way, that kind of gave it all away right there. I'm a Hebrew. And he says, and I fear the Lord, it says the God of heaven, who made, it says, the sea and the dry land. Do you understand that the men that he's talking to are idolaters? You understand that they're worshipers of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And here Jonah says, now wait a minute, I don't worship the sun the moon and the stars I worship the one that created the sun the moon and the stars and so they begin to understand who this person is that is on that ship a troubling times now does come and we understand that Jonah no doubt being the talker that he was had expressed to them that he is fleeing from the presence of of the Lord. And so the Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 11, what shall we do to you that the sea may become unto us? And so they're coming. They're saying, wait a minute, you know, you know the creator. <laughs> we know the sun, the moon, and the stars. We know, we believe the God of the suns, the moon, and the stars. Uh, but you know the creator of all. And so therefore, what shall we do to you? Jonah chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says he's telling them to pick him up and throw him into the sea. And then the sea would be calm. The tempest would go away if you would please. Jonah chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, you'll see this, that the men decided that they were going to try to row towards the land. But the more that they tried to row towards the land, the more diverse the winds became, the more tempest the storms became. They were not going to make progress. Jonah uh, was not the one, if you would please, that uh, they were going to try to deliver to the land, but he was in the ship. You see, God was not after the men of the ship. God was after Jonah in the ship. Now that tells me something. That tells me that if you decide that you're going to backslide, that tells me if you decide that you're going to do what you want to do and not obey God, it does not just affect your selfish self. It affects everybody around you. It's going to affect your mama. It's going to affect your daddy. It's going to affect your brother. It's going to affect your sister. It's going to affect everybody around you. You know, some of you, bless your heart, you've got moms and daddies that are not right with God, but you're about as backslidden as can be. And the problem with that is, is you're going to be the one that your mom and daddy's going to stumble over and burn in hell forever because you're not living for God. Now, don't you be somebody that causes your mama or your daddy to die and burn in hell forever because 
because you decide you want to do what you want to do and you want to go where you want to go and you want to be in charge of your life, you better be careful that you don't cause people to stumble over you and wind up in a devil's hell because you just decide you want to be like Jonah and live your selfish little selfish way. Here's what we understand. We understand that Jonah now is depicting himself as, hey, I know what the problem is. You cannot row to that which is uh, uh, the shore. You cannot do it. Now, these men say this. Look at verse 14, Jonah 1. The Bible says, we pray, O Lord. He says, uh, please, uh, let us not perish for this uh, man's life. But they don't want to be held in charge of his blood either. I mean, they, the, these uh, men are, are, are not godly men. But I believe that these men uh, had some type of, uh, uh, some type of perhaps decency about them deep down in their soul, uh, maybe in the crevices of their heart, because they said, we don't want the blood of this man to be on us either. And so they find themselves in a fix. But now Jonah's telling them, hey, if you want the sea to be calm, I'm the problem. By the way, doesn't the Bible say to cast out a scorner? That's a critical person. What happens when he casts out a scorner? Contention shall cease. Yea, strife and reproach shall go out. So we understand uh, that the Bible teaches here that uh, here we see Jonah in the midst of that which is the tempest of the sea, uh, in the midst of that which is a gigantic storm, and the storm is caused by the Creator God, and as God creates the storm, it's not to get at the people. However, because the people are close to Jonah, it's going to affect them. Oh, have you ever had somebody inside of your house and they get a bad attitude? Does the bad attitude affect everybody else in the house? Has your husband or has your wife ever woke up on the wrong side of the bed? And you wish you could find five beds for them to go back in and wake up on the right side all five times. Uh, has anybody in your house caused the spirit in your house to become gloomy and dry and uh, dark and evil because of their spirit. I've been in churches where uh, I preached revivals and years ago uh, we'd start a revival on a Sunday and it would go to Wednesday, Thursday or so. And did you know it took us about a day or two to breathe life into the people. Now, by the way, my Bible does say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. You know, it would do us good to be able to not just understand and read the Bible, but obey it. Amen. Somebody gets up here and they're singing a song and it blesses your heart. There's nothing wrong with you saying, Amen. Amen. By the way, that will encourage them. Oh, come on now. You get people coming to church, and some people are just as dead and dry as can be when it comes to their spirit. And all of a sudden, preacher starts to hit on something. Oh, yes, he's stepping on your toes, sitting in your lap, spitting in your right eyeball. But as he does that, can I tell you something? If somebody would say amen, it might help others believe, oh, it's just not the preacher that believes the Bible. You see, I, I'm seeing here in the Bible that Jonah was somebody that had influence and uh, so much the, so that these men said, you know, uh, charge us with uh, innocent blood. Don't, we don't want to be charged with innocent blood. But it was Jonah said, look, if you want the sea to become calm, you've got to cast me overboard. 
And so we understand that they picked him up in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 15. And the Bible says that they cast him into the sea. And the ragingness of the sea now becomes calm. In verse 16, you see that uh, now the men uh, fear the Lord exceedingly. They offer sacrifice. Oh, they're not offering sacrifice unto that which is the sun god or the moon god. They're not offering sacrifice unto the star God. What are they doing? They're offering sacrifice unto the Lord. And they took vows. Verse 17, the Bible says, And the Lord prepared, oh, the Lord prepared, it says, a great fish to swallow Jonah. I did a study on that. I was just kind of curious. Is this the only time man got swallowed by a, a great fish? And all throughout history, even after that, you find that men that worked in the sea uh, were swallowed by fish, great fish. Now, by the way, uh, God prepared that fish. Did you see that? God prepares calamities for those that do not serve him. Oh, look, I'm all for preaching about the love of God. I'm all for preaching about forgiveness. I'm all for preaching about you need to love Jesus and serve Jesus all the days of your life. But sometimes we just need to understand that, hey, God also judges. God also would take you to the woodshed. Uh, I mean, I, I love, don't, don't get me wrong. I want to encourage people. I do. I do. I preach a lot of encouraging messages. But you got to understand that uh, uh, God is real when it comes to trying to help you to become real. Uh, this stuff about why, uh, you know, I act one way at church and another way in the world. That's what we call a hypocrite. Why don't you be the same everywhere you go? That's because you don't love him that much. Well, then fall in love with him. Uh, your wife would appreciate if you'd be the same uh, in front of her face as you were behind her back. Your husband would appreciate that. Your mama would appreciate that. Your daddy would appreciate that. Your friends would appreciate that. Now, I'm saying this. Here, Jonah now cast in that which is the sea. And the Bible says in verse 17, Jonah 1, that the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And the Bible says he spent three days and three nights. Now, it doesn't say that he was in the fish's belly three days and three nights and was alive. Uh, a, a preacher one time said, well, he was uh, alive in the fish's belly three days and three nights. Well, uh, you know, it could be a picture of our Lord. It could be, if you would please, a typology. A picture of our Lord as being uh, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus died on the cross. Is that not right? Now, we understand that God raised him. Is that right? And do we understand the same God that raised uh, Jesus is the same God that raised Lazarus? Do we understand? Do we understand the same God that raised Lazarus couldn't be the same very God that raised Jonah? Do we understand that? Uh, do we understand that uh, uh, some uh, liberal uh, theologian uh, type of professor would say, well, you know, Jonah was in the belly of the whale and he was just on vacation. When is the last time you would think you'd want to be on vacation in the belly of a whale? Now, may I say that Jonah here is a, a picture of Christ. Somebody said, well, King David is more of a picture of Christ. Well, uh, can I tell you, when it comes to their sin and their backsliding, they're not a very good picture. But when it comes to uh, God working and changing their lives, they're a very good picture of what you and I ought to become.
Oh, listen to this in your Bible. Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 and 40. Let me give you a little bit of Bible here. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and uh, no sign will be given uh, to uh, it, it except, it says, the sign of the prophet of Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So here God is comparing Jonah in this event to his very own son in the event of dying on the cross in three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now you say, well, I don't believe that Jonah died in the belly there, and I don't believe that God raised him. Well, you have to believe this. You have to believe that God got him out. Amen. You can't debate that. You can't debate the fact that uh, God prepared a fish of judgment to judge him. You can't debate the fact that God is the one that oftentimes will use calamities in the child of God's life to get their attention. You can't debate the fact that uh, he went down, 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 and the further you get down, uh, the further you get from the presence of the Lord, and the further you get from the presence of the Lord, the more personal destruction you're going to face in your life. So what happens now in Jonah chapter 2? In Jonah chapter 2, you see that he is in the belly of a great fish. He is away from the presence of the Lord. By the way, it's during those times in your life that it's the lowest times of your life that oftentimes you will, uh, by and by, learn some of the greatest lessons in your life. Jonah being swallowed by uh, a fish, a great fish, the Bible says that was prepared by the Lord. Now, I want to submit to you tonight, God prepares for you. Stand, if you will. And so, uh, here is the fish. God prepared the fish. Here's the blessing. God prepared the blessing. Uh, here's the call. God prepared the call. So as God calls, by the way, God has a calling for you. God has a will for you. You say, well, preacher, I just don't think that I'm important. Oh, you're so important. He's numbered every hair on your head. You're very important to him. Uh, and you say, but preacher, you just don't understand. Uh, 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 here I am, and I can do with my life whatever I want to. I believe that. I believe God created you with a free volitional will. I believe that. I believe that. But what you choose to do with your life, you either get blistered, or you get blessed. Now you can choose to do with your life whatever you want to, but I'm going to tell you, no matter how hard Jonah tried to run from God, it's not going to work. God prepared you to serve him. God prepared uh, that which you're going to receive if you don't. And God prepared what you will receive if you do. Boy, it's a simple, simple truth, isn't it? It's simple. Uh, the more that uh, we decide to uh, run from the Lord, the more damage we get. Oh, you say, I don't see it. Let me ask you, dear friend. The day that you were serving God, were you happier than the day that you have now that you're not serving God? 
the day that God was answering prayer in your life, were you more fulfilled than in the days when you did not have God answering prayers in your life? The day that you walked out and ooh, you could just sense the Holy Spirit working in your life and that brought joy. But then now you don't have that anymore. Can't you sense where you are? Are you that numb? Oh, now wait a minute, though. And so God has a calling and he says, no, I tell you what, I tasted a little bit of that. I don't like that. And uh, um, I didn't know you were going to wear a black suit, but it's appropriate and with black boots. All right. But in a black book in a Bible there. All right. And so and and so watch this. He decides to gravitate towards that which is right. Doing what is right. And that's got blessing. And I was raised on a 180-acre farm. When we planted, can I tell you, it did not always come up as soon as we planted it. Here's where frustration of believers get. Uh, frustration of believers is, well, okay, I'm going to try church. I'm going to try tithing. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try and live for God. I'm going to try and raise my family for God. And then the first little thing that comes along that doesn't turn out quite the way you think it ought to. You say, well, that didn't work. And then you decide to come over here. And, and see, here's the deal. You got one foot here. You got one foot over here. And you're just waffling. Come to church, sometimes you're spiritual and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you want to be here and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you go soul winning, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you pray, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you love God, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you read your Bible, sometimes you, uh, you do all these. Sometimes, 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 sometimes. The problem is this one will never stop trying to get you because we live in a real world. Right. There's more people here than there is here. There's more people saying, hey, you don't need to go to church all the time, but you got yourself a Bible, and the Bible says you're supposed to. You've got to decide whether you're going to obey God or not. Now, I do see people get out of church. I'm being honest with you. They just, they waffle, they waffle, they waffle, they waffle, they waffle. And the flesh gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And they get the wrong music in their life. And, they, and all of a sudden, now they start to grow their hair out. And they look like uh, a boy looks like he's got uh, mm, a mop on his head. And, and, uh, or, or, or they do this funky thing, you know, where they grow it out on this side. And, they, and they, you know, that hangs down here. looks like a dog that forgot to push it over or something. You know, and, 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 and they start doing all this stuff now wait a minute watch this if you will but the the more that they're not hanging around godliness parents I love you but don't get upset if I get me a red-hot preacher in here and he plows the field don't get upset with oh he has no right to get on my little angel you're dumb they're not an angel and my little darling, they could not do anything wrong. They're already doing wrong. Problem is, you're so stupid you can't see it. Look, I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying, look, y'all thank God that somebody's going to try and get you uh, to get in the blessings of God. Uh, you ought to thank God that somebody's going to stand somewhere and preach and say, that's not the way it should be. And by the way, if you're not doing it, somebody's got to do it. 
I'm saying tonight we understand. Thank you. Be seated. What is it now that's happening in Jonah's life? Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1, here's what you see. You see the, the chastisement upon Jonah from God. Uh, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1, here it is. And Jonah prayed, it says, unto the Lord, it says, his God out of the fish's belly. So when does he pray? He's praying when he's in distress. By the way, that's when most people pray. You know, they just kind of coast. Now, I'm preaching to my people tonight. But they just kind of coast. You know, they make up every lame brain excuse. You know, uh, well, I can't come soul winning this week because I got a tummy ache. I got a mild fever. I know it's there. I, I, I can't feel it right now, but I know it's there. Yeah, I, I'm saying this. Here he is. When's he praying? He, he's, he, he's praying when he's left by himself. When he feels all alone, when his attitude is at the bottom, and when circumstances is about to override him, uh, where does he pray? Well, the Bible teaches here when he's in confinement, almost like a prison. Uh, you hear about jailhouse religion. Do you believe it's right, preacher? You think that that really happens? Oh, yeah, I do. I've seen people get right with God while laying in the hospital. I've heard people say this to me. They've said this to me. Doc, they've said this to you. They've said this to you. If you'll pray that God will get me out of here, oh, I'll give God all the days of my life. And to be honest with you, I've never seen it happen. I've been preaching 36 years. I've seen people who say, please, preacher, pray me out of the hospital. Oh, if God will make me better. If they don't want to be better before they go in, they're not going to want to be better in the midst of their trial. But now here Jonah is. Jonah is a remarkable example as it could be. So Jonah now is in darkness. Jonah is now all alone. To whom does he pray? Well, he doesn't pray to the sun god. He doesn't pray to the moon god. He don't bow down to Buddha. Oh, no. No, he's not uh, uh, following some other type of God. He prays to the God of heaven. Why does he pray? Look at it, Jonah 2 and verse 2. The Bible says, and he said, I, I cried, it says, by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. So uh, why did he pray? Because he felt like he could turn to nobody else. And sometimes we have to get knocked down. Don't, don't get me wrong. I pity people. I watch people backslide. I do. It's very evident. When people start to backslide, you can see it. You can see it. Uh, it's like you take a dirty shirt and you hang it out there on the laundry string, and there's all sorts of white shirts around it, and there's one dirty one. I mean, you don't have to be a, a rocket science to figure out which one is their dirty one. I mean, that's like a duh. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't take me long to figure out who's going the right way and who's going the wrong way. They stick out like sore thumbs. I mean, that's you saying you being judgmental. Well, if they wouldn't act the way they would, I'd have nothing to judge. But now watch this, if you will. Here's what you see about Jonah. Jonah cried by reason of his affliction. So he's afflicted. Uh, people cry out, I'm telling you. When they get in dire straits, they cry out. 
David practiced that over in Psalm 18 and verse 6. The Bible says, in my distress I cried, it says upon the Lord, uh, it says, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he heard my voice, it says, out of his temple, and my cry came before him even onto his ears. Uh, Psalm 86 and verse 13, the Bible says, uh, for great is thy mercy toward me, and it says that thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Uh, Psalm 88 and verse 6, it says, Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness and in the deeps. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, the Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, it says, he chasteneth and scorneth every son, it says, whom he receiveth. And so there is the chastening of the Lord. All right, and then you see there's Jonah's confession. There's the chastening that, uh, chastening that God brought upon Jonah. And then you see there's the confession. Watch this. Uh, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, And thou hadst cast me into the deep. And it says, In the midst of the seas and the floods. It says, Compassed me about. And all it says, Thy bows and thy waves. It says, uh, Passed over me. It sounds like somebody's smuttering. I mean, they're just smothering. Uh, have you ever been in, I, you know, sometimes, I never used to be this way, but I've, I've had food poisoning four or five times in my life. And, uh, boy, this one time, I, I was in Thailand, I was preaching, and a big, uh, a big uh, uh, thing that we were trying to do and see people get saved and whatnot. Oh, and I got food poisoned so bad. Oh, it was just so bad. And, uh, and uh, you know, we ask them, uh, 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 preach us to death, that's what we want. I mean, get us in many places as you can to get the gospel out. That's what we're here for. We're not here for vacation. Uh, we want to see people get saved. And so uh, we'll get up early in the morning, uh, you know, 5.30 or so. We'll meet for devotions, and then we hit the public schools, and we have conference, and then we go to the public schools in the afternoon. We have preach at night, and then we start off the next morning bright and early. And uh, we do that pretty much everywhere we go. And so, but I got a hold of something. Now, I didn't eat anything off the street. I got more sense than that. But I, I, no, I shouldn't say I got a hold of something. Something got a hold of me. And oh, I don't know if you've ever had food, food poisoning before. You don't want it. You think you're going to die. And uh, man, uh, I was upstairs in, in, in the bathroom and, and they were uh, singing downstairs. And oh, I was just, I was so sick. And, uh, and oh, I was just so sick. And, and I was up to preach next. And I hollered downstairs in a little bitty place. I hollered downstairs, sing another! <laughs> and they'd sing another. And then, oh, man, I, I tried to go down and, oh, get halfway down the steps and you start to heave and you run back up the steps and, uh, and uh, they get ready to finish the song and you say, sing another! They sang a bunch of others. And finally, I got a grip on me enough to be able, uh, by God's grace, to go down and preach just a little bit and it's only a little bit that I could do. I was about as weak as you could get. I went to the hotel room that night and I curled. I had them give me medicine after medicine. I really didn't care what it was. <laughs> and, uh, and did you know, listen, but God brought me out of that. But I'll never forget it. But ever since then, it's a strange thing about me. I can't stand a lot of close quarters. I like to ride the big planes. I don't like the small planes. I like the big cars. I don't like the small cars. I like the big elevators. I don't like the small elevators. Now, you say, why? I don't know. Something inside of me doesn't regulate well now. 
but that's only since I've been uh, through the problem. But you know, when you go through uh, devastating times, if I may say it like that, you never forget them. You just never forget them. Now, can I say tonight, he prayed. Uh, he prayed because he was afflicted. Uh, you see that he called out of the belly of the big fish, of uh, the whale. And then you see his confession as he comes in uh, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible says, when my soul fainted within me, and I remembered the Lord, and I prayed and came. Now, watch what it says. He says, boy, I, I prayed to thee. Uh, there, into the holy temple. And it says, and that thou, it says, uh, listen to it now, observe, it says, lying uh, vanities, forsake, it says, uh, thy own mercy. And so he's crying out in despair. He's saying, oh, dear God, I know what I've done. And by the way, until a person gets thoroughly right with God, they never enjoy the power of God. They never enjoy the blessings of God. Until they get thoroughly right with God, you don't know him as a child of God should know him. That's why there's so many empty lives. Listen to it now. There's a chastisement brought upon Jonah. There's the confession of Jonah, and I'm almost done. There's the commitment of Jonah. Look at it. Gen uh, we're in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says, but uh, I will sacrifice unto thee, it says, with my voice of thanksgiving. I will, always making commitments, I will pay uh, that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So he's saying, I, I, look, whatever, uh, whatever I said I'm going to do, I'm going to do it now. Well, how did it come to be that? Because he was knocked so low. God took him down. Oh, I worry about people. I do. I worry about people that's so full of self. You can't see Jesus in them or through them. Here it is, and I'm done. There's the chastisement that was brought upon Jonah from God. There's the confession that Jonah had onto God. There's the commitment that Jonah had to God. And then lastly, I'm done. There's the cleansing of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah onto the dry ground. Now, what did he do? Well, the same God that created prepared the fish. The same one that prepared the fish for Jonah is the same one that can cause the fish to get sick of Jonah. Uh, by the way, Jonah was so backslidden, even the fish got sick. But the Bible teaches that he vomited him out. He regurgitated. He tossed his cookies. He got him out. Now, now, by the way, can you imagine what Jonah looked like compared to when he did when he went in? When I studied these other men that got gobbled up by these great whales... And you see that uh, uh, they uh, tarfooned those whales and they brought them into the boats and they, they cut these uh, bellies open. You see, there's a man there. It's happened several times. Uh, even in one case, it was a, a huge, huge shark that I read about that uh, gobbled up a man. Uh, and, and so uh, they say when they cut them open and, they, and they, uh, they, they get these people out, and many of them, by the way, have survived but they're different because those acids of that belly begin to change not just the pigment of the skin but begins to eat layers of the skin off and, uh, and now all of a sudden and, and can you imagine now 
See, see, Jonah, maybe one of the reasons he didn't want to go down to Nineveh is because how can I get a crowd? Who will listen to me? I guarantee you when he walked into Nineveh that he got a crowd because who would not want to listen to him? He was a peculiar sight. You know what I find out? I find out that it's not the highly educated that God uses the most. I, 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 you know, I, when I look at history, I find out it's not the mighty. No. I, I find out that it's many times those that get behind the woodshed or walk out across the pasture. I find it's those that spend a lot of lonely time and they meet with God. And God says, okay, I think I'll use you. Because you see, they know where they came from. They can't say, I've arrived. Look at the education. I have. And I'm all for education. I mean, I've got a master's and all that. I'm all for it. But, uh, uh, but if a man takes stock in that, then he's destined for failure. I, I know some men that are so highly educated, they don't serve God. You won't believe this. I know preachers that are so highfalutin in their educational skill that they don't feel like they need to go soul winning. Oh, they'll preach it, but they don't go. Larry Brown told me the story. He said, you know, he said, I took my wife to a camp meeting. My wife's never been to a camp meeting. He said, so I took her to a camp meeting. He said, all that hollering and screaming and uh, uh, howling, he said, scared my poor little wife. He said, so I looked at my wife and said, it'll be okay, it'll be all right, I'll tell you at the hotel, it'll be okay, it'll be all right, I'll tell you at the hotel, it'll be all right, I'll just tell you at the hotel, it'll be all right. They went to the hotel and he looked at his dear wife and said, now look, he said, they don't mean anything by it. He said, they're just hollering to holler. He said, but when they go home, they won't do nothing. He said, that's just the way they are. So he came back that night and he preached and, and he got up to preach and a guy started hollering and saying amen. And he said, you know, he said, y'all scared my wife this morning. So I had to tell my wife who you really are. I know I'm preaching to a bunch of preachers and he said, I'm, I'm glad you're excited about the Bible. Everybody should be about uh, excited as you are. He said, but I told my dear wife that, honey, they don't really mean much by it. I know these men. So when they go home, they're hollering now, but when they get home and they come down to earth, they won't do nothing. Now, can I tell you, don't you be a do-nothing Christian. You say, oh, preacher, you don't see how I could serve God. Oh, everybody can serve God. Everybody pass out a gospel track. Everybody can talk to somebody about the Lord. Everybody be faithful. We're living in a day, it seems like in here, the continental USA, that it seems like that uh, some churches, it seems like that uh, Sunday nights are kind of dying off a little bit. And even have a lot of Southern Baptist churches that just have church services on Sunday morning only. They don't have Sunday night, don't have Wednesday night. You say, what do you think about that? Shame on you. My Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The more a person gets the Word of God in them, the more it builds their faith. The less of the Word of God you get inside of you, the less faith you'll exercise through you. So I think it's important you get the Word of God in you more, not less. Here's what the Bible says, and I conclude. Over in the book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33, the Bible says again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. That's a vow, by the way, uh, an oath. And so, uh, when, when we make an oath unto the Lord, I did many years ago. I remember I was a teenager. Some of you teenagers did the same thing. But I remember. I was at River Valley Ranch, and there was a fellow by the name of Ron Riley. Still, I look up to him very much today. Ryan Riley came to River Valley Ranch in Millers, Maryland. All oh, the ranch has since gone liberal. But back in those days, it was a, a fundamental a type of camp. And Ryan Riley came and he preached a message that night, never will forget it, sold out Christians. I'd just gotten saved. I had no clue what it was to sell out. Never heard anything like that before in my life, ever. And uh, he preached a message. Boy, he was storming across the platform. He was hitting the pulpit. He was raising his voice, and his face was turning red, and white spittle was coming out of his mouth. And he preached sold-out Christians. I was 18 years old, just got saved. Came up in a staunch Roman Catholic home. And that night, the God of heaven reached down into my little heart and said, I'm talking to you. I didn't know what it would take, and I didn't know what God would require. But I remember going to the altar that night, and I didn't care if anybody else went or not. I still go to the altar, and I don't care if anybody else goes or not. And I got on my face before my dear father, and I said, God, I don't know what it's going to take. But tonight and forevermore, you've got all my wells. You can send me to a mission field. You can send me uh, to some place where I'll get killed. I, I don't really care. Because <laughs> tonight you got every bit of me. And this is forevermore. It's a vow till death comes knocking on my door. And I laid my life down that night. And by God's good grace, I've never taken it back. I want to go forward. One day I'll lay in state. I'm young. I'm only 58. That is young. One day I'll lay in state. I want my kids, my dear wife, my grandkids, my great-grandkids. I plan to be old. My great-great-grandkids. I want them to come by as I lie in state and say, you know one thing about him is he gave it all that he had. Now, by the way, we give all that we have at different ages in different ways, don't we? Yeah. Uh, some are older, and they can't give as much energy. Well, God knows that, but you should still give all that you have. Amen. Some are youthful. You've got an abundant amount of energy. Give all that you have. Some are very young, and you've got the energy, but you don't have the wisdom. 
You let others help to guide you, but you give all that you have. And you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Here Jonah has a decision to make. He has a decision to make. You have a decision to make. You can choose, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what my parents think. I don't care what the preacher thinks. I don't care what God thinks. Long as I'm comfortable, long as I'm happy, long as I'm fulfilled within myself, it'll be okay. And you get farther and farther from the presence of the Lord, and just like Jonah, you will pay the price of the fare thereof. Or you might be this way. Yep, yep. Pastor reminds me of me sitting in a tent, a tabernacle type place. Preacher gets up, preaches. My heart is tender, just like Pastor's heart was so tender. And tonight, I make a decision till death. You've got all of me. And there's the blessing. And you'll never get past the blessing. Father, help us, I pray tonight, please. Thank you so much for the privilege to be able to study. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.